0: Well, welcome back to Foundational Thoughts, the podcast, the Missouri Baptist Foundation. I was about to say convention, that's not right. I'm with the foundation. And I'm your host, Neil Franks. And today we're going to start uh, a new series here on Foundational Thoughts. And, you know, the really goal behind all of this was to sit down and talk with interesting people to find out their perspective and how God is using them in their area of ministry, their area of life. And uh, we would just talk to people as the Lord sent them to us. And so today I happened to sit down with a, becoming a good friend of mine, a guy by the name, Tim Mizendeek. Am I getting that finally spelled you, right? You know,
1: Neil, I'm going to give you a half of a gold star, Menzendeek. Menzendeek, okay, I was close. But you're you're getting a lot better at I'm, that. I'm not I, very good yeah, at I'm pronouncing. I'm proud of you. Well,
0: thank you. I need someone to be <laughs> proud of me. I'm not very good at pronouncing names, but, uh, and I could give you a whole list of things that Tim has done, and we'll talk about some of those along the way. I think as we start talking to him, uh, you know, some people don't need the pieces of paper. Uh, for you to listen to them. It's helpful when they have the pieces of paper, but uh, the experience of life and what the Lord has taught them and the wisdom and the variety of experiences, that's what we really want to hear from. And so, Tim, thanks for joining me today here on Foundational hey, I, Thoughts.
1: It's great to be here.
0: Hey, well, every time we talk, I learn something new about you, and I learned something new about a topic. And so, uh, hopefully, over the next uh, months and years, we'll sit down and have lots of different kind of conversations like this. But the conversation that we want to start with today is really talking about what you call, and I guess a lot of people will call, culture when it comes to business, when it comes to church. Maybe we'll even get into what it means when it comes to family as well. Uh, But what is culture, and uh, why do you think it's so important?
1: Well, Neil, culture is one of those words that's kind of a catch-all. It means a lot of things to a lot of different people. I define culture as how we do things around here. That could be a comparison of how you do things in Jeff City to how I do things at Lake of the Ozarks. Is there a little difference there, a huh? A little bit difference. Okay, we talk right. with a more of a twang down there. <laughs> uh, there's a culture in Texas. There's a culture in Washington, D.C. Uh, some people refer to it as the swamp up there, Whatever yeah, that, yeah, whatever, whatever that, that means. Is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But culture, I define, is just how we do life, how we do things around here. Okay, and so
0: different churches, I guess you could go into, and this Church A does things certain ways, and Church B does it a different way, and they can even have the same brand or denomination, they could even be Southern Baptist or Missouri Baptist, but... Sometimes each one's a little bit different.
1: Oh, I've been in a lot of Missouri Baptist churches, and there is a definite cultural difference between uh, two churches, three churches, whatever. I think of a story back when I was in college, I'll, I'll tell on myself. So uh, I was newly married, finishing my senior year at William Jewell. Came home from school one day, and my wife was all excited because one of my favorite meals, I'm true confession here, is shrimp and spaghetti.
0: Shrimp and spaghetti, Uh, My
1: mom used to fix that, and so we sat down, and I looked at the spaghetti, and I said, oh, well, that's not how my mom does it.
0: Oh, you said that? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. This is advice of what not to do here.
1: Now, I learned a long time ago. I was a young young man at the time. I've never done that since, (laughs) but there's a great example. In in my family, we fix spaghetti without meat in it. My wife's family is spaghetti with meat, and so... Is it right? It's not a question of whether it's right. It's just how we do things.
0: And how do we create that culture? Where does that culture come from? How did we get started doing that? Why do we keep doing that? And why is it sometimes offensive when someone questions that?
1: Well, I think it's one of those things that comes down to this question. Who's we? How we do things around here. Okay. And so if we's involved, it must mean that people are at the center of that culture makeup. And at the center of people... It's so what I like to refer to as just relationships, how we do relationships. And boy, the, the Bible is full of this idea and full of the one another's of Scripture, how we do life together. And I think um, one of the unique things about culture and the importance of culture is also the fact that um, God is very different from man. Very different from man, but yet God is very relational and very interested in being relational with man. So there's this idea in Scripture, I think, that we are supposed to be bonded. God is bonded. In fact, he's so bonded that he's one, but so separate that he's three. Mm -hmm. And he creates us in his image and his likeness, and he says, Okay, there are times when you guys are going to be alike, times when you're going to be separate, and I tend to find that life falls apart when we don't embrace that diversity and that that difference, uh, even down to how you make spaghetti.
0: Wow. And we're really struggling as a culture, to use the term again, as a national culture with some of those very issues of diversity in the midst of unity. You know, it used to be, what was it, unibus, no, e, e pluribus unum, right? Out of yeah. many, one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I think I saw somebody, and I may have said this in a previous podcast, but saw a bumper sticker that said, too much pluribus, not enough unum in life, right?
1: <laughs> that's good. And
0: so there's so much diversity. And so culture can become a place that unifies, but it sounds like a place that can actually divide because of certain expectations that we mm-hmm. collectively have. So so how do we begin to recognize that that's what's going on in the middle of that conflict or that heated discussion or that conversation that can happen between maybe a pastor and the piano player who's been there for a hundred years mm-hmm. or the new son-in-law into the family? How do we begin to stop and go, okay, wait a minute, there's something else happening here than just mm-hmm. me and you?
1: I think that uh, what, the first thing that comes to mind is that in being different, we do have one thing in common, all of us have belly buttons. Okay. All of us are broken. Okay. And in our brokenness, we struggle with relationships, and we struggle with doing life. And so, um, I like to think that a a big piece of this is just being vulnerable and being self aware, with the fact that I'm broken. I'm a leader. I'm broken. I I can tell you from personal experience. Uh, some of the most broken people I've come across in my ministry and my life are leaders in Christian churches, sometimes pastors. So I can't tell you how important it is for each one of us to embrace the fact that we're sinners, (laughs) embrace the fact that we're broken. I raised my hand at a young age and said, I'm broken, I Mm. need Jesus, Mm -hmm. That was the beginning of a journey of healing in my life. But for that to really occur in a healthy way inside a culture, everybody, including the leader, has to understand that fact and be willing to embrace vulnerability and be willing to embrace the fact that I can speak to my weaknesses, I can speak to my areas that I'm broken, I can speak to an employee when I've made a mistake and they point that out and not play the blame game, not live in shame. Uh, Shame destroys culture. Um, You're saying a
0: whole lot there, and I've got to go back up for this, because as I'm sitting here thinking about what you just said, as a leader, let's just say that you're a leader and you walk into a situation, it's pretty obvious to you where areas of culture are broken, because it's not working. And it's the, the natural assumption is, well, they must be the ones broken because Mm -hmm. this culture's broken. Mm -hmm. And in the family, well, they're not cooking the shrimp and pasta the way that it's supposed to be, (laughs) so they're broken. It just seems like, and maybe it's just me, and if it is, maybe we shouldn't record this podcast, but it (laughs) seems like when I walk into those environments, I'm pretty keen and acutely aware of everyone else's brokenness because it's pretty obvious. They may not see it, but the rest of us can see it, but you're asking me and everyone listening to consider that maybe the biggest cultural issue that we face is not out there, but it might be inside with me.
1: That's exactly right. And and to expand on that a little further, I want to say this, that vulnerability in the leader is rocket fuel for culture. Um, too many leaders... Um, hide behind the elephant or elephants in the room. Uh, All of us have been in situations, I've been in situations in church board meetings or church staff meetings, where everybody knew that there was an elephant in the room, and many times the elephant in the room was the elephant inside the head of the leader. Mm. But the leader wouldn't hear talk about that elephant. What I'm talking about is a vulnerability where if you're the president of the Missouri Baptist Foundation or you're the senior pastor of a church where you're always open to hearing from people and, and willing to ask, what do you see? Neil, when you interact with me, what do you see? And being uh, secure enough in our own being, rooted and grounded in love enough in our own being to be able to hear that.
0: That sounds Pretty rare. Maybe just from my life. Maybe it's all like I can speak from. But it seems like we demand and expect and need so much of our leader that that everything is waiting on them, and so we can't make this decision. We're going to push it to them. Or especially when I see a church call a new pastor, uh, oftentimes they want to call a younger pastor so they can reach a younger dynamic because they're not reaching a younger dynamic. Maybe. Or in a business that needs a turnaround, who's been doing things the same way for a long time, and now the culture has shifted, the larger um, business culture has shifted, so we need somebody with the new things. And so there can be a lot of pressure on that new leader to walk in as expected to have, if not all the answers, most all the answers, or at least a good direction uh, and you're not saying that he can't provide leadership, but you're saying as he provides that leadership, he has to do that from a different perspective? Is that
1: close? A different perspective, and, and, and I come back to this concept of self-awareness. Okay. I find in a lot of leaders, no self-awareness or a very small amount of self-awareness, how I'm perceived, how I communicate, how I carry myself— And and again, back to the vulnerability piece, how willing I am to sit in a meeting and say, you know what, guys, I made a mistake. I didn't do that right. And, and Neil, the important thing to understand about vulnerability is we suffer from many things. One right near the top of the list is shame. Hmm. Go back to the Garden of Eden, the very beginning. And I'll tell you this, shame can destroy a culture. Shame can destroy a leader. But vulnerability destroys shame from destroying cultures. And so it's so important to not allow that doorway to, to to happen inside the culture of your business, your your church, your family, where your life is transparent, you're an open book, and you allow that vulnerability to be the doorkeeper for shame that caused Adam and Eve a problem, a big problem, and also uh, causes us problems so many times in relationships. I can't say I'm sorry. I can't say, will you forgive me? Because I'm too ashamed.
0: Wow. Well, shame is something I think we probably need to talk about then if that's of that high a value. And we may want to do that on the next time. But it also sounds like that not only does the leader have to provide a different perspective on leadership, but maybe even the followers in allowing the leader to be vulnerable and allowing the yeah. leader to make those mistakes. Okay. Is that just as much of a problem or is okay. that just
1: something created? Okay, now I'm going to put my, my pastor hat okay. on because I did that for almost 23 years. Yeah, you know, uh, I think a lot of pastors are, are elevated, put up on a pedestal. Uh, the last thing you want to hear from your pastor, uh, if you're a typical church member, is that you made a mistake. Because after all, Neil, you're the pastor. You you got it all figured out. You know, there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and then the Neil, right? And so it's very, very difficult. I I I tell you, I just pour my heart out to pastors. I God gave me this special love for pastors, having been through that and having understood. What it's like to be put in that position? I just want to reach out, you know, to every guy and say, "Golly, you know, we're it's almost like we're in a fraternity here." And I, I want you to know, man, this—I got to be honest with you—being a pastor was the hardest job I ever had in my life, and so much of that is this this pent-up expectation in the hearts of people, and I I, I have seen times when pastors have been vulnerable, even in worship services admitting things that had happened. For for example, I'll give you a great, a great example. Our senior pastor, my boss at the church I, I pastored at in Kansas City, stood up one Sunday and was preaching a sermon, stopped and admitted to everybody in the midst of this relationship-type sermon that he'd been sexually abused as a young boy. Hmm. You could hear a pin drop in that auditorium. And as I stood down front, I marveled at how many people Embrace the fact that he was willing to admit that he had secrets Mm. or that he had areas of his life in which he needed to grow. That's what I mean by vulnerability. There's magic Mm. Mm. in that, and magic in that creating a healthy culture, whether you're a business or a church. Well, we're talking
0: today about culture, and I am with Tim, because I still can't pronounce Tim's last name, Menzendik. Is that even close? That's perfect. Okay, that's good. You're just going to let me slide on that but we're talking about culture, and culture is how we do things, and it seems like that in this world today that not all of our cultures are doing well, which means we're going to have to make some adjustments as leaders and make some adjustments as followers, and we're going to pick up that conversation at our next podcast. Thanks for listening to Foundational Thoughts, the podcast the Missouri Baptist Foundation.